All right. Hey, what's up, guys? We got uh, Swanand Kulkarni here to talk about Hinduism. So how's it going, Swanand? How are you doing today? All good, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really honored uh, uh, to be here in your company and your audience's company. It feels so good. Thank you so much for having me over. No problem. Um, thanks for coming on. So, yeah, we have a, I'm doing it a little bit differently today than normally instead of just doing what you do for work in India. And where, well, do you, and where do you live in India? I live in Mumbai. Uh, that's that's my uh, that's my city. I'm born and brought up in Mumbai in India. And uh, what I do for a living is I'm into sales. Uh, I, I manage sales for a multinational company, and uh, uh, I manage multiple states, about five states, multiple people, and you know mainly into B two B side of the business. Okay, cool. I heard recently something about Mumbai on like. I feel like it was like coming from Bill Maher and um, and uh, Bill Burr. I don't know. Do you know Bill Bar Bill Maher and Bill Burr? Do you know who they are? No, I'm so sorry. I don't know. Like Bill Maher and then Bill Burr is a comedian. You don't know who they are? Um, no. They were talking about Mumbai and saying how it was. It's American stuff. Um, they were saying how it's. I think they were, what they were saying is it's like you'll never see extreme differences. Um, I think they meant in terms of wealth. Is that true? I, I think that's what they were saying about it. They were they were saying they went there and they saw like really, really rich people and then like really, really like kind of like poor people. Would you say that's true about Mumbai? Yeah, that's pretty much true. Uh, there is a stark difference between uh, the, the, the wealth bifurcation. You would have, you know, heavily rich people staying on one side of the city uh and then you would have you know uh, uh, i mean you can practically say that the whole country the 2% of the the 98% of the wealth is held by about 2 to 3% of the people and the rest of the wealth is held by the rest of the people the rest of the population of the country okay. so yeah that difference is there so yeah we'll get more into this that type of stuff after the questions but so the second question is is how does how does hinduism understand the concept of deity and the divine ah uh, see uh, i i would not get into this question directly i i want to go around it uh uh how, how can i answer this you know without uh, making it more complex so if you go by vedanta right a human is made with uh, two things one is the matter the other one is the spirit right matter is your body that's your vessel right and your spirit is your divine core so when you say divine you need to find you need to look inwards and deity is one power that you put your faith into so yeah there are there are multiple deities and there are many gods that we worship to uh, but when you when you want to really reflect on yourself and contemplate you ideally look inwards and uh, when you want to be humbled by 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 knowledge or wisdom you look outwards so that's basically the concept between deity and divine okay cool and you said that yeah you do have a a bunch of gods right like how many gods did you say you have? So 33 supreme gods. Uh, it is often uh, misunderstood that we have about 3.3 billion gods. It's not that. Uh, we have 33 supreme gods. 
uh, yeah, so that's about it. How would you say that's how would you say the gods are based on science? Um, I wouldn't say that because I, I, uh, although I'm not an atheist, but I'm a hardly ritualistic person. Uh, and, you know, while I do believe in God and I, I believe that there is higher power, uh, but I have not explored that part of the uh, spiritualism, you know, from God's way. So I, I don't think I'm the, I'm the right person to even comment on this question. Okay, so the the science thing might be more for you than the religion, or the it's not even a religion. So it's a way of life. What what term would you refer to it as? If it's not a religion, what would it be considered? No, it is it is a way of life, and that's how I would I would uh, say what Hinduism is. It but is in a terms way of, of more of like a, a, a um, I, you know, in terms of like a a um, a uh, definition or whatever, um. What would it be considered? I mean, literally just a way of life. Yeah. Because I mean, on Google, it says Hinduism is a religion with various gods and goddesses. So is this more of like your own kind of like viewpoint that it's not a religion and it's based on science? No, no, no. no, no. It, it, if, you, if you also Google Hinduism way of life, you would also find articles that state that Hinduism is a way of life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I believe yeah. you, but... So, so there are, there are people with most, different most, sorts of... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Michael, please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that, like, I think that most people would view it as a religion, right? I mean, obviously, if you view, if you don't view it as a religion, that's fine. But most people probably would, right? And yeah, if not so, a religion, like, I, like, I could also say Christianity, I'm a Christian. Like, I could also say, like, Christianity is a way of life, but... Technically, whether I want to admit it or not, it is considered a religion. Yeah, yeah. It, and I mean? even Hinduism is considered as a religion. And uh, yeah. in a way that it, it is a religion, uh, to be very frank with you. Uh, 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 so, uh, okay, so I'm I'm a bit of lost here because, you know, I'm finding it a little complex to kind of explain to you how, uh, uh, what Hinduism is, because... My way of spirituality is not religion-based. Again, my way of uh, uh, spirituality is intellect-based. So these questions are kind of, you know, uh, taking a parallel route to the same path, to the same. Yeah, it's journey. fine. It's fine. I just, I think that, you know, sometimes people, like you may have a different viewpoint of it. Like you may practice it differently than other people do. I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. really anything about Hinduism besides what I read on Google. So Let's just move on though. And let's, let's, it's totally fine if we go through these questions quickly because we do only have an hour. Yeah. And I want to make sure to get to some of the other stuff. I want to make sure to, after the questions, to be able to talk about it like generally too. So the third question How does the caste system figure into Hindu beliefs and practices? So, okay. So, so caste system practically came into place because, uh, uh, so there were people who were doing who are really skilled at doing something specific. So let's say if there is a, 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 a shoemaker who would be extremely good at making shoes, right? Uh, we we call that person sambar. So that's basically that became a caste. Uh, somebody you know, uh, Brahmins are were supposed to you know 
do all sorts of i mean it's equivalent to your father, uh, father that you have in churches so uh, brahmins are supposed to uh, do all sorts of ritual uh, related to god and they're supposed to go to temples and they are allowed to touch the god and all that uh, then there are then there are people who would only sweep uh, who would collect you know uh, collect waste uh, from the roads now the caste system came into place as a form of job protection in a way so uh, because if everybody starts doing everything back in the time where we did not have so many opportunities uh, we we didn't want to kind of in a way eat up into each other's work you know sort of kind of uh, uh, cannibalism if you would say so caste system was put into place so that people do what they are really good at doing so uh, a shoemaker uh, if he has a son daughter whatever they would continue to keep making shoes right and nobody would come and steal their jobs away their work away uh, so that they have their steady source of income now although that was relevant back in the time where we did not have so many opportunities in today's time it is not really uh, uh, if i may be so bold to say that it may not be as relevant because now that you have so many opportunities uh, so many chances to kind of upskill yourself upgrade yourselves and have a better living uh, the the caste system is pretty much still there but uh, i i kind of don't see a relevance to it anymore i mean if you're really good at something you can you can continue doing that and make a better living so that's pretty much it how does it like f- fit into the religion or does it from my standpoint in my opinion uh, it doesn't anymore it doesn't anymore okay so it's kind of just like a way for basically india like you were saying at the time to basically give people jobs like be like okay you're going to do you're good at this so you're going to do this you're good at this you're going to do this you're going to do yeah. this and like that way everybody kind of like has different yeah. jobs so, as opposed to everybody doing this trying to do the same thing yes yes absolutely and in in a way if you see that i don't even know when did it all start when did the caste system start uh, i mean there has to be some point where it actually started and people decided that this person this community will continue to do only this sort of work uh, i don't know what was when did that happen but uh, it it pretty much exists till today so uh, we we had a great philosopher and a, a politician dr baba saheb ambedkar who wrote the constitution of india as well by the way and uh, he was from one of the marginalized communities so uh, 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 now there are other backward class, classes and there are uh, 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 there are other uh, tribes w- which were deprived of better education of be- equal opportunities so dr baba saheb ambedkar uh, he was such a great man that he he came up with a way that in in india everybody would have an equal opportunity equal pay uh, if at least not an equal pay but at least almost an equal life and at least equal chance to make it big in life so that was the point which actually changed uh india forever in a way because today if we have equal opportunities for all the communities that's because of him so now if you look at it now i don't know when did the caste system start and it was connected to a religion but uh, there was one person who saw it logically and uh, who kind of fought against it and made sure that everybody has equal chances so in today's time i'm i'm really wondering whether 
you know it is still a pretty much a part of a religion or it it should be a part of just constitution of india and just you know uh, allow people to have equal opportunities in the country okay so it almost sounds like i don't really want to say like it sounds like um com like communism but it almost sounds like communism in the sense that like in the sense that it's just trying to give people equal opportunities to try and make it fair for everyone as opposed to just so you know, uh, else not really in in communism there is one person deciding uh, everything what the the whole country is supposed to do so uh, no matter whether you're a businessman but if you are asked to supposed to but if you're asked by the communist party or maybe one person to help build the road in front of your house and if you are mandated to do that you have to do that you don't have the right to to deny uh, in india you do have the right to deny so you have a you have a say in 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 with what happens with you uh, and you're not forced to do anything okay so how does it work then if you have a say there's the caste system but if you have a say so like they tell you okay you you should do this and then you have the choice to be like okay yeah i want to do that or i don't or like no so what happened is back in the time way back in time when uh, let's assume that there was a, a shoemaker and who's supposed to make only shoes he was forced to make just shoes and he was not even supposed to you know uh, go to a brahman's house or enter into a temple or something like that but that was a very uh, i would say that it was a dark time for india uh, it really should not have been that way because logically my brain does not accept the fact that uh, we never want we wanted to deprive people of of equal opportunities but i don't know uh, what happened in the country that you know uh, people were made to do exactly what they were supposed to do and not allowed to be uh, a part of any other action uh, but it's not that anymore so uh, you know we have an equal choice we have an equal say we have equal opportunities in terms of job and pay and uh, uh, i don't see the caste system being very relevant in today's time okay so it's really not relevant at all okay so let's move on to uh, can you speak uh, to the importance of yoga and meditation in hinduism uh so let me uh, i i would like to address the 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 difficult question for us i mean this is a rather simpler question and simple to explain before you know after kind of uh, i explain to you uh, uh, why do you need that so uh, i think uh, you have a question on the the, the suffering and and something like that uh, something on that those lines michael uh yeah 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 did you want me so, to go with that one first or yeah yeah could you please ask that question Okay yeah so the the suffering one is how does hinduism address the question of evil and suffering in the world Okay so it is not uh, I I wouldn't say hinduism addresses this question or any other religion addresses this question in specific but I would tell you how I look at it and this is my personal opinion uh the suffering that you that you practically mentioned uh we have to accept the fact that it is sort of man made right uh nobody comes to nobody is born into this world and right from day zero is made to suffer into something 
it's it's only our personal actions and there is a there is a, a, a law of cause and effect so there is an effect there, there is a cause behind every effect that happens so for example if i have to go back and really make, make you understand why is there so much suffering today uh, i have to go back all the way to the root of the problem so my first question to you and to our audience uh, to to contemplate on is who are we if i ask you this question michael uh, do you think uh, you you would be able to answer it who are you what do you mean by who am i like yeah so uh, okay let me go back uh, one step back and ask you what is the definition of truth i mean i would say it's what is um what is correct basically what is honest yes but then you absolutely. can get into what is what is what innocent is what it is what is innocent what is what is really true so true the definition of truth basically means something that persists so uh, a, a fact that was true yesterday that is true today and that will continue to be true tomorrow that is the simple definition of truth so if i ask you what is the truth about sugar you would say that sugar is sweet it was sweet yesterday it is sweet today and it will continue to re- remain sweet tomorrow but if i tell you uh, whether the form of sugar is truth uh, but because sugar can come in uh, crystals as well as in the form of powder right so the only fact about sugar is the taste sweetness sugar can never be bitter uh, what is the truth about lions for example so lions are going to be ferocious you are never going to find a lion uh, at least if not trained Uh, you're never going to find a lion who is going to kind of start licking you and start patting you and stop you know not trying to eat you if you see a lion and if the lion is hungry if the lion sees you and lion is hungry lion is going to be uh, in its is in its natural form of being ferocious so so that is the basic truth right so i'm coming back and i'm asking you what is the truth about you about us I mean, it's a hard question to answer, because. Um, so, I mean, for example, yeah. yeah, please go ahead. Well, I mean, it kind of like depends on if you're asking me personally, what's the, what's the truthful statement about myself or like humans in general? No, uh, um, let's talk about you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's even a hard question to answer for myself, but I mean, basically, I would, you know, you, you can ask me a specific question and I'll tell you an, an honest answer, but like. Like I'm, I'm a nice guy, basically. I mean, I'm, I like to, I like to do this podcast. I'm a nice guy. I, um, you know, I have a job. Like, you know, I work. I have right. a girlfriend. Yeah, I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's more of a general thing or more of a specific question. Or okay, so uh, let me explain that to you. uh so when i ask you who you are i'm trying to really search the the constant truth about you something that was true yesterday today and will remain true tomorrow and why is it so difficult to answer is because uh it is difficult to find the 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 truth about us because we are changing every single day you are not the same person that you were yesterday you know something has changed maybe your hair have grown you know by 1 millimeter 
for example uh, maybe you were extremely happy to yesterday but you are you are neutral today you were angry in the evening but you are you, you were kind of uh, excited uh, you know uh, later in the morning our emotions is not the truth about us right because they are changing every single minute our body is not the truth about us because it is changing every single second it is changing as we speak every moment so what is the truth about us so that is something that we really need to find as to who are we uh gautam buddha in a way he did find uh, who he was so uh, he was sitting i mean if you know the story he was sitting uh, beneath a tree which is called as bodhi vruksha and uh, he found the wisdom he found he elevated himself to higher knowledge uh, so finding who we are is genuinely the purpose of human life the truth about you is what is the purpose of our life so when when you ask me why there is so much suffering and you know how how do we look at it how what can we do in order to stop all the suffering i want to go back and ask you why is there so much suffering because there is somebody who is taking certain actions which are in favor of himself or herself which may may not adversely affect the others and that's the whole uh, uh, situation right now right yeah so so uh, now i'm going i'm taking one step ahead and i'm uh, i'm going to differentiate uh, uh, as to you know what do we look at you know why do we look at suffering in a way that we did uh, or that we do human being by by default is working on two aspects acquiring and enjoying when you 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 acquire something and you enjoy something that's that's basically that all we are doing uh you know let's say you when you're born your your parents would tell you you complete your education and the life is set and then you are pretty much good to go so you keep Uh, you keep working towards it you complete your education and then you think oh i'm 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 set now i'm good to go then your parents tell you oh, no go get a job and then you are set you fine you go get a job and then you think you are going to be set then your parents tell you oh, now now you have to go get married and then life is going to be all good so you go and you go, go get married then you are supposed to have children then you are supposed to educate your children then you are supposed to get your children married and get them settled at the end of the day you are trying to always chase something or the other in order to satisfy yourself so you are trying to put your current happiness into your future acquisition for example again if i tell you uh, i want to buy a house and you know if i buy a house in this part of the city i'm going to be so happy because it's it's facing the it's facing the beach there is bright sun all the time and it's it's a, it's it's such a good community and that house is going to make things so much better it's going to uplift my standard of living and you're like okay so now i'm going to start chasing it and then you start chasing it you start chasing it you acquire that house you move into a house there is excitement six months down the later and then you see oh this neighbor is so good that everybody sort of has uh, you know bmw or uh, audi or uh, uh, or or porsche for for that matter and i just have a simple hyundai then you're like oh i need to upgrade myself you know to be to really fit in into these people 
then you start chasing a car then you acquire a car six months down the line you say that you know my child is going to a certain some school and all the other children are going to this better school and you know such good edu- education with you know classrooms with acs and what not and then you say oh, i'm going to send my child to this and then you you start chasing that so what you're trying to do is that you're actually making yourself suffer till the time you don't acquire what you desire and that is the root of the suffering because you are placing your current happiness into your future acquisition if you place your current happiness in your current acquisition in in your current state there would be no suffering at the same time i would tell you that uh, desiring something or or wanting something is not all bad you could really want to have you could really want to move into a big house or better house better community there is nothing wrong about it so wanting something is not a crime longing for it is is a crime if you are making yourself suffer if you are making making the lives of yourself if you are like making your lives of your family miserable uh, till the time you don't acquire what you want then it is a crime and then you are actually making yourself and the people around you suffer too yeah and it sounds like that's kind of like the main principle of hinduism right uh i i wouldn't say that's the principle of hinduism because no religion uh is is going to play a very vital role into this it is you it is us uh you know a development of intellect only can help us so for example uh in 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 every human so okay so uh, uh, let me explain to you if you look at this world michael there is a set pattern right uh if you look at a dog it has a set pattern it it will do exactly what it's supposed to do and it will just stop at a certain point if you look at a tree the tree has a purpose the tree has a purpose of maybe giving food giving uh, you know uh, uh, shelter providing oxygen uh, to this planet and uh, you know once the tree's life is over when it's when it's completely dry we go and make furniture out of it so tree has a set preset it's it's almost like a preset if you look if you look at an earthworm an earthworm would go dig up dirt and you know become a farmer's friend and it will bring the food nourishment to all the way to the tree so earthworm also has a purpose of life if you uh, you know if you look at any animal like look at cows for example they they also have a purpose of life you know they are supposed to provide nourishment uh, you know through a form of milk to us or you know uh, we see it as a source of food but with are they really source of food so that's again debatable but i would not get into that right now uh, but every animal has a has an exact certain preset even if you look at a dog and a dog has an upset stomach dog would go eat grass and vomit it out yeah so that's almost like a preset that's because there are two things in every human being that is man there is manas and there is buddhi so manas is basically your uh, mind and buddhi is your intellect so every human is made up of two things manas and buddhi that is mind and intellect so mind basically 
is all knowledge, knowledge that you can acquire from books, knowledge that you can acquire from talking to different people, knowledge that you can acquire uh, by reading uh, or by learning something, right? Intellect is an, uh, it's basically is your ability to question it. For example, if I ask you what is water, you may tell me water uh, the, the chemical formula for water is H2O because that's the truth, right? So H2O is water and that's knowledge because that's come from chemistry. Intellect would question why is it H2O and why not H3O? And you would say, oh, it's, it's, is it H2O because it's chemistry? I would say, yes, but who designed water? And then you would be like, ah, maybe God. So who is God? Ah, I don't know. So your ability to ask these subtle questions, right, is your intellect. Again, if I ask you, can you smell? You're like, yeah, what can you smell with? Nose. Okay, so what's driving nose? Uh, brain. Okay, what's driving your brain? Uh, you would say God and you would go back and then figure out, you know, question. What is God? Who is God? Right? Which God am I talking about? There are so many gods. Your ability to question these subtle things in life is basically your intellect. And we need to develop our intellect in order to be really happy. Otherwise, there is, there is always going to be suffering. For example, Einstein created E is equal to MC square. And probably he did not have any, his intention was to kind of, you know, generate self-sustaining power, uh, electricity. So that is knowledge e is equal to MC square. Whether you generate energy with it or you generate or you produce nuclear bombs with it is your intellect is, is what your intellect is telling you what to do, what is right and wrong. Despite of knowing that, you know, making nuclear bomb is wrong. If you're still making it, it's, it's still wrong. If, but if you use the same knowledge for a good cause of generating energy, you, you are doing something good in the world. So coming back to, to mind and intellect, basically every human being needs to develop an intellect. Your intellect is telling you what is right, what is wrong. Uh, you know, your, it is controlling your vasanas. So vasanas are basically desires. Your intellect is telling you whether you should be longing for it or you just want it or, you know, logically try and analyze whether you need something that you're making yourself so miserable about. Your intellect is always talking to you, but our blindness to our intellect is the real reason for our suffering. Yeah, I, um, that was a lot, but I, I totally agree on, um, yeah. So with the, I mean, it sounds kind of like Hindu is, is there another religion in India too? The, or is Hinduism the main one? And I feel like there's another, I might be mixing up religions or whatever way of life or whatever you want to call them, but um, is Hinduism so, the main religion in India or is there another one? No, there are multiple religions in India. There is, uh, there is Hinduism, there is Islam, there is Christianity, uh, there is Buddhism. And India is a very diverse country and a very colorful country too. Uh, right. We have uh, everybody has different practices. There are about 28 states. So principally, there are also about 28 different languages that we speak into. But there are so many dialects that there are nearly 19,000 19, 
sorts of different ways that people communicate each other with so it's a very diverse country but in terms of religion there are other religions as well uh, i mean there are there are parsis too there are persians too in india so yeah. uh, i might be i might be mixing up buddhism with hinduism but or maybe i'm not because you just kind of went over it but it sounds like the main belief in hinduism is kind of like that with what you or at least the main takeaway that i get from it is that with was which what you said about um suffering it's kind of like the more you want something the more you not only desire but long for kind of like put yourself through hell essentially to get like you said exactly with the house it's like i might want a house in laguna beach or you know the beach or near or beverly hills or whatever in la it's like is it going to even be worth it? I mean, it's like, in my opinion, no, it's not. And it's like, I think there's, isn't there an also, and like, once again, I might be mixing up Buddhism with Hinduism, but isn't there an also a, a belief that like you can technically, or you, you can like live off of nothing, or it's almost like, was it, I think I'm thinking of like the Buddhist monks, but it's like, I've heard principles or theories or whatever that like, they say that there's a principle or a theory that like you can live off of nothing. But I think the ideal goal is to kind of like get yourself to a point where like you're longing for nothing. Right. But then, but then it's like, then what do you do? Because if you don't want anything, what's driving you, you know what I mean? What, what are you doing? But that's the biggest takeaway that I got from what you said was basically it's, it's, it's some stuff just isn't worth longing for. Right. I mean, you're better off just doing what you want than working all day to to pay for your house, right? Uh, yeah, in a way, yes. Uh, but see, now that there there were great monks, right, who who left everything. Uh, for example, Gautam Buddha, he was a prince, right? He left his his comfort, he left his palace, and he left everything. And he turned into a monk and he simply sat beneath a tree because he realized the fact that what you're trying to search is not really outside. It's, 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 you have to look inwards in order to be happy. Michael, let me ask you, why are we doing what we're doing? I mean, why are we earning? Why are we, uh, uh, you know, buying, let's say, a certain specific mobile phone? Uh, in every action, we are doing uh, whatever that in, whatever what are was, vasana is. Vasana basically is our desire. What you desire, your actions will uh, will be in that direction of your desires, right? But why? The simple fact is to be happy, to be satisfied, right? To be to be to feel good. But if you are going to put your happiness into a certain object, are you really ever going to be happy? Because if that object breaks, let's say, for example, you're putting your happiness into a mobile phone, you're, you're talking on the mobile phone and it falls and it breaks, you're unhappy. So if you put your happiness into an object, you're really never going to be happy. Because you buy a house, what happens when the earthquake uh, comes and your house collapses? What happens then? You are again going back to being sad. So is that really what you want to do? So the, the idea is that you place your happiness within you, you know, by development of intellect, you, you try and ha- be happy with what you have. At the same time, 
you can always want better things you can always want better comfort but the simple principle is don't don't be don't make uh, yourself or your family members miserable about that chase you know uh, you can keep working towards it yeah but you, you know it can drive you but it should not make you miserable yeah i totally agree and i feel like you know america because i live in you know america as you probably know like kind of yeah. gets it wrong gets it wrong right it's like everybody's trying to make as much money as possible and working as much money working as much as possible and it's like at the end of the day it's like, are you happy man and it's like if you're not happy then why are you doing it i mean i, I totally agree with you there yeah right but I, I, let's try and get to the other question. If there's more that you have to say on that, that's fine. And maybe we can come back to it. But let's try and get through all the questions. Is that cool? Yeah. The, so I want to address that question of yoga and meditation uh, yeah, that yeah. you initially asked. So yeah. now that we have explained, uh, uh, you know, tr- or rather discussed about uh, happiness and desires and vasanas and mind and intellect, Coming back to yoga and meditation. So yoga basically is to keep your body fit. So your body is your vessel, as we discussed. You need to keep your vessel uh, fit. So there is there is spirit and matter, right? That we, that we are made of. Your spirit is your divine core, uh, right? That is the driver, and the matter is your body. That's your vessel. That's your vehicle. In order to you know, in order to reach to a certain point, you need your vehicle to be fit as well. So you, if you, if you actually look at a vehicle that's a four-wheeler, you would always put fuel into it. You would always put oil into it, and you'll make sure that it's, uh, you know, all all the wheels are working proper, and you know it's in the right condition. And that's the same concept with your body too. So yoga is basically uh, is is a way of mindfulness, but to keep your body fit. Meditation is to keep your mind fit or keep your keep your divine core fit. So in meditation, when you say Om, you say Om for a certain amount of time, let's say three seconds, four seconds, and then you stop for like another two, three seconds, and then you again start saying Om. So that's how you meditate uh, traditionally, right? When you meditate, when you start meditating, your your divine core, your intellect knows that there is your your mind knows that there is there is om and then there is silence. Again, there is om, then there is silence. The true meditative state, when you actually reach to where you are supposed to get to, there is om, there is silence. There is om, there is silence. After a certain point, om stops. So you don't say anything, but you are still focused. And after a certain point. Even the silence stops. Everything stops. And you are truly at peace. So what is peace? Is basically peace practically means that you are at peace. It doesn't mean that you are happy, you are sad, you are excited, you are agitated, you are irritated, uh, you are excited. Nothing of this means peace. Peace means just to be without feeling any emotion. To a certain point, you can feel an emotion, but not be affected by it. For example, I I can see that there is a there is a there is a fish floating around in the water. Eagle comes, takes the fish away, and the fish has died. 
so my emotion tells me oh oh no that's such a sad thing to happen right but my intellect knows that it's the way of life i mean that is how it was always supposed to be right so your so your true state of peace means that you that you know that you know what emotion you are feeling but you are not overly affected by it i mean it's not that you fish you see a fish dying and then you have a sleepless night it's okay it was supposed to be that way you know today today i have this house and earthquake has happened house has collapsed maybe it was supposed to happen you know but i am still happy with whatever that i have and so that that is your that is your truly meditative state that you reach a point where you are absolutely at peace so that's yoga and meditation's relevance uh in 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 today's time yeah yeah that's that's um that's interesting and it's like definitely something that i you know i i've wanted to get into meditation i, I don't know so much about yoga but um actually you know both but to the point where like you're saying and i think that's a very interesting kind of concept that i've that i have heard before but is that like you just get to that point where like you're at peace which is essentially like you said not feeling any emotion and you're just kind of almost like part of part of nature kind of at that point right like you yeah. don't you don't have any emotion or feeling or anything you're just kind of floating through right yeah so um as far as that stuff goes how how often would you say that you do yoga or meditate are you are you big on that stuff or or not really yeah so uh, uh yoga i i i don't do but i do different exercises to keep my body fit so i i do go to the gym i lift weights i do cardio uh you know i you know for, occasionally i would go for a walk or a jog so i do different types of exercises to keep myself fit to keep my vehicle fit right meditation uh, uh i i i would do you know uh, once in seven days sometimes once in about 10 days uh, uh but yeah it it is not really very regular but i i do it occasionally Okay, that's good. And um if we had more time I I would say like let's get into the meditation more how to do it, but I don't think we have enough time for that. So, let's do um let's see. How does in- Hinduism understand the cycle of birth, death and rebirth? This is so, this is pretty interesting to me the whole um because you guys believe in um what's it called where like you when you die like you just you kind of go and live another life. What's that called again? uh reincarnation in a way yeah rebirth. exactly you yeah. you believe in reincarnation right or hindu i know hinduism does right uh or rebirth yeah so the, yeah there is a concept of samsara right uh, there is a cycle as uh, you are born you live this life then you die and then you are reborn into into another in, into another life uh but i i i think i would be it will be really arrogant of me to say that i am aware about it because conceptually yeah i have read something about it but i don't know whether that really happens you know i mean who has seen it uh, intellectually if you try and think about it logically you try to reason with it 
you you don't have an evidence uh, or at least not the one that i have seen maybe i need to explore a lot more and understand whether it's really there uh, but i'm it's not scientific right i because it hasn't so. been i don't think so it hasn't been I, proven like nobody's nobody i mean there is story i have heard there are stories where people will say that they feel like they lived another life or whatever but for the most part yeah i don't think you can really like prove it yeah so if if you yeah i mean michael so if you uh try and uh understand a little more so there is a concept of moksha right Uh, like nirvana i mean so you're you're not born again uh in in this cycle you know birth uh, living and dying and then again rebirth it is in a way a suffering only <laughs> if you try and look at it because you're born you're feeling so many emotions you're so miserable you're angry you're happy and all these things you're never at peace and then you're again dying and then you're again you know uh, 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 you're again getting birth somewhere else and you're again going through all this cycle right so all of us are trying to practically in a way are, we are trying to achieve the state of nirvana moksha wherein you stop this cycle and you are free you know you're not bonded to this cycle anymore uh, now theoretically i think it is like that but uh, my way of looking at my life and my purpose of life is i mean if if i am working towards Uh, you know becoming free after i die which i have never really seen is it really something worth working towards or can i be free while i am alive while you know can i can i be at peace while i am alive instead of after i, I you know i die so i i yeah. look at my life like that you know i would rather want to be at peace uh, uh you know and free from the emotions i get to have my own freedom when i'm alive because i have not seen what happens after after the death yeah i agree how would you even work towards being free when you die like is there a way to work towards that in yeah i mean in in my own family <laughs> there are people who would i mean uh uh who would go to certain pilgrims who would visit certain pilgrims every every specific time of the year there are people uh, do all sorts of rituals yeah i mean people would do certain specific things in order to you know somebody has told them that if you do this then you are free you you don't uh, you are you are free i mean your soul is free you are not trapped in this cycle anymore so they would do all sorts of rituals uh, you know to to become free uh, but in a way i i i practically think that doing all those things also you are putting yourself through lot of anxiety you still don't know the outcome of it and you're still not at peace while you're alive when you also don't know that you are going to be free after your death so what's the point of all the rituals the the good thing about rituals is uh, all rituals that you see across the globe in any religion every ritual is symbolic right for example uh, uh, in hinduism if you are trying to start something good something new let's say a good new business you would break a coconut and that's a ritual okay you break a coconut you pray and then you start now breaking a coconut is a ritual but what is the the logic behind it right 
the logic behind it is that coconut is made up of hard shell right you are trying to break it and trying to see what's inside so what you are trying to actually do is that you are trying to drop your ego at once when you are trying to start something new business or something new in your life you are supposed to drop your ego so that you learn the the trick of the trade faster and the the principally when you are trying to break a coconut ritualistically you are supposed to break it in one shot so you hit it so hard that in one shot you break it so the 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 reason behind it is that you have to drop your ego in one moment it's not like it, it has to be a, a journey you have to drop it at once and you move on but now what we have done is that we break a coconut we start praying that you know oh god please give me uh, uh give me success in this new venture that i'm starting give me all the wealth and this that what's the point you you dropped your ego and then you are desiring more and more and then if you if your business fails you will start blaming the god you will ask oh god i did everything what was supposed to be done and why did you do this to me so what's the point if you are doing a ritual but you don't understand the reason behind the ritual yeah i agree with that for sure um so yeah in terms of like church and stuff like do you do you go to church like do hindu hindus like go to church and like yeah i mean i principally i've gone to the church uh i've gone to a gurudwara also uh, uh so that is where uh, uh, i mean sikhism uh, uh so i've gone to gurudwara i've gone to church i've sat in uh multiple servings uh, uh you know so yeah i do visit uh, different religions uh, uh, places of worships too well, what i meant was like does do hindus have their own church like not other yeah, we, religions we do there. have temples we we do have temples and what do you do when you go to the temple is it more kind of like um your own journey type thing where like you go in and like do what you want, or is it kind of like a Christian church where like you have a, you have a pastor up there and they give a speech and everything. No. Uh, so Hinduism is a bit different. Yeah. Uh, you, we would have a version of a pastor. I mean, you have a pastor there. We have a Brahmin here who, uh, who is right standing right next to the God. And you know, who, who if you tell him that, you know, I, I have my exams coming up, so please uh, uh, help me get the blessings from the God and he will do, Uh, you know he'll chant some mantras and uh, all that so that uh, he is helping you in a way so yeah uh, that is there uh, logically speaking now if you ask me my opinion about the reason behind going to a temple is that you go to a temple or any place of worship for that matter may it be a masjid may it be temple may it be a church or gurudwara or whatever you are going there uh, to be at peace because the vibe of that place of worship is so positive that you are going there to acquire that positive vibration so that it helps you it heals you in a certain manner right if you are going to the temple and if you are going to sit there and if you are going to start listing your desires in front of the god you are not allowing essentially to let those vibes come to you because you are sending out so many different other vasanas and desires into that place of worship you may not essentially uh, get what you what you desire desire as in uh, 
what you were actually supposed to get after going to a place of worship. Okay. And how often do you, do you go to the temple? Uh, I don't remember the last time I've been to a temple, to be very honest. And there is also a reason behind it. I mean, uh, we do have a small altar at our home. And uh, my mother keeps going to the temple, by the way. And she would visit all sorts of different, different temples across the country. Uh, I find my peace and uh, I, I, there is a, I have a small idols of different gods placed in my altar. And I know for the fact that if I close my eyes and if I fold my hands, I am still able to communicate whatever that I want to communicate. And I'm still able to get those positive vibes right here at my home. Uh, so I've never gone. I mean, I never feel the need of going to the temple. But at the same time, I do respect people who go to the temple. Because, you know, sometimes uh, you you do need to go and you do, do need to acquire those positive vibes in abundance. Right. And sometimes when I have to become a driver to my mother so that, you know, I take her to certain temples, I do visit inside too. And it feels so nice. It feels so positive. Okay. And then, yeah, as, as far as like coming from the Christian perspective, which I think Hinduism and like Buddhism may be the most different you know, quote unquote, like religions compared to Christianity, but it's like Judaism and and um, Muslim. What's that called? Um, Islam. Islam and yeah, Catholicism and um, there's a bunch that are all like based on the Bible. But Hin- Hinduism isn't really based on the Bible, right? Yeah. Do you guys have your own kind of like Bible, or like do you guys believe in? We we do have a version of Bible. Uh, I mean, in a way, a parallel to a Bible uh, that is Bhagavad Gita, right? So that is our our path to intellect. So Bhagavad Gita is basically one of our gods, Sri Krishna. He was narrating and he was guiding one of the warriors, Arjuna, who was uh, one of the uh, five Pandavas, right? And he is he is explaining the meaning of life and. Uh, the the intent behind his actions and whatever that he is supposed to do right in the middle of a war, right? So that narration is Bhagavad Gita, and yeah, we we do read it. Uh, it's it's in a way our guiding principle, you can say. How okay. often do you read and a Bible, by the way? Like the Christian Bible, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not very often. Like I I grew up Christian and. I you know read it a good amount in school. I went to Christian schools and all that, and I went. I used to go to church like you. I don't really go to church very often anymore. Yeah, I don't really feel like it's necess- It's necessary. But do you guys? And I'm just kind of wondering. Do you guys also? What are your guys' thoughts on like Christianity? And then also like you know Jesus Christ in general. Like, do you guys believe in Jesus Christ? Do you view him as? Because you know we view him as the Son of God. Like, do you look at him as that way, or like do you even believe him in him at all, or? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, uh, see, we we are very uh, open people, right? Uh, If you ask me, uh, as my personal opinion, right, I believe in every religion. And I also believe the fact that every religion is trying to provide peace 
to to its followers to its to its community there is no religion in the world who's trying to uh, trying to create harm uh, to anybody else if you genuinely try and follow your own religion be it islam be it hinduism christian uh, christianity uh, buddhism whatever uh, it is always trying to preach peace and way of peace and the way of uh, uh, you know just being calm no no religion is trying to uh, yeah, you know trying to dictate uh, uh, you know terror in any manner so yes uh, to answer to your question is that yes i do believe in jesus christ i do believe in allah i do believe in gautam buddha uh, and i believe in uh, every single religion i i believe the fact okay. that religion is a is a guiding light to you kind of believe that they're they're all true kind of or when you say you believe in them all like do you think that they're all true or do you or you just think they're they all have their place kind of or i believe that they're all trying to guide you to the truth right okay they're not necessarily all true but they're all trying to guide you to the truth right uh it will be controversial of me to say that they are not true they they are they are true because they pretty much exist right and but some of them uh, some of them some of them like contradict each other right so it's like you can't say that like christianity is true but then also judaism but then also um islam because they kind of contradict each other but you can but you can say that they're all trying to get to the truth as opposed yeah, to yeah so so in a way yeah absolutely so uh, uh, in a way each religion is trying to get you to that truth to your place of peace to figuring out who you are right we still don't know we still haven't figured out an answer to our question as to who we are if 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 anybody asks me who am i i will simply tell you that i am swanand and i work in sales and you know uh, i am i'm 6 feet tall and all that right i am a male but all these things we are conditioned to think that we who uh, that that's what who we are but all of these things actually constitute to what we are you know so if i still ask you what are you you will still tell me that you are a male right and you're still 6 feet tall and you're an indian and you're a hindu and all that and if you if you if i ask you who are you you will still give me the same answer so we are conditioned to think that that that's that's what we are that's who we are but that's not who we really are who we are is something that we really haven't figured out we need to elevate ourselves to a higher power to higher knowledge to really figure out who we are and the day you figure that out uh you are always at peace that i well, i it's I, hard I, it's hard to answer the question of like you know who we are because it's like like you can ask me like where like you know where did i come from or maybe like what my purpose is but like just saying who who you are is a very hard question to answer you know what i mean yeah. it's like like i don't even i i wouldn't even know about how i would go about saying who am i you know what i mean but i i see what you're saying that is the goal right is to find out yeah. who we are and i would almost say more of the goal would be even if we can get to a point where we can figure out you know where did we come from exactly and you know were we created by the christian god or you know 
which one is correct or maybe like you maybe none of them are well they're correct I not, Michael, not, not correct but like they're like kind of leading us towards the same down the same path to try and find truth but yeah I, I, I was just going to get to that do we really need to understand or find out what is correct and what is wrong in each religion maybe not maybe we can just keep to ourselves and keep our own belief system to where it is right now and not interfere into anybody else's affair and you get to your journey of finding the truth you get to where you want to go and you are at peace and if everybody starts doing that everybody is at peace the problem happens when you start interfering our for sorry i'm uh, not you in per se but when one starts interfering into other one's affair as to you know if yeah. if i'm a hindu and i'm you know you're a christian and if i tell you that you know uh, in christianity i don't agree to this and you will tell me in hinduism i don't agree to this but what's the point of your agreement and disagreement because your opinion is your opinion and everybody has the right to have have their own opinion it may may not necessarily be a fact but we have to differentiate an opinion from the fact if it is an opinion don't debate it don't argue with it because it's still an opinion if it is a fact it can be debated it can be argued because facts can be proven right or wrong opinions can never be proven right or wrong opinion is your perception of reality right so you don't really need to find out you know what other ones are doing is right or wrong try and reflect inwards and see whether what you are doing is right or wrong that's all that we need to do i mean i i see i see what you're saying and i agree that as of right now like like i shouldn't try and say that another religion is wrong or right but i think the i think in my opinion like the goal would be is to the goal would be to find out what is correct and like you could be right where it's like we'll never be able to find I, i'm not even saying which religion's correct it's like more like the goal is i think the goal of humans a lot of times people ask like what is the what is the purpose of life what is the purpose of humans what is the purpose of all of this and a lot of people would say well there is no purpose or you know in terms of evolutionary thinking or whatever but um i would actually kind of say the purpose would be to figure everything out and it's like you could say oh well we'll never be able to figure everything out but it's like maybe we will maybe in 100 years or 500 years maybe I mean, you can disagree if you want, but you you don't know what's going to happen in five hundred thousand years, right? You know what I yeah, mean. So it's absolutely like absolutely true. With with all the AI and the technology coming through, I mean, I agree with I agree with you now. Like we we won't be able to figure out soon, probably yeah. within our lifetime. But if we can get closer to the truth, that's the goal. But let's try and get through these other questions because I know we're you know we're coming up on an hour here, so. Um, so the last one was yoga and meditation. Then how does Hinduism understand the cycle of birth, death, and rebirth? So did we? Did, did you kind of already answer the question? Um, yeah, I feel like we, yeah. Which is um, well, in your own personal opinion, yeah, you did answer it in terms of like you're not really worried about after you die. You're just worried while you're here, right? But in terms yeah. of Hinduism in general, with with um, rebirth. Is that what they call it? Is it rebirth or is it reincarnation? Yeah, yeah. rebirth. Yeah. Okay. 
So with rebirth in general, do most Hindus believe in rebirth? Like, do most Hindus believe like when they die, not only them, but every everybody will like kind of reincarnate and become somebody else and live a new life? Yeah, I mean, if you ask me uh, in in Hinduism in specific, uh, yes, we believe that when a person dies, he's you know for the first thirteen days, he's still among you i mean he's still around you the the soul is still on this planet and is still around you is is watching you and all that and that that soul is still the soul is still trapped uh in in this i think that's that's uh, he he is not free the soul is not free the soul is also not into any human body it's just around suffering in a way on a 13 journey we do uh, we we do a certain ritual to free the soul right and to send the soul on a journey so on the 13th day once we do the ritual we believe uh, hindus believe that on 13th day it is born somewhere else and it could be absolutely on any place of the uh, planet we don't know but we believe that it is born ritualistically we do <laughs> whether that is true or not i really don't know yeah okay so yeah, we were you already went over that one, and then um, you already went over the suffering one. And can you discuss the role of ritual and tradition in Hinduism? Virtues and traditions in Hinduism, or ritual and tradition in Hinduism? And yeah, uh, because of because of time, if you want to just kind of like go through these kind of like quickly, just so we can like get get through all of them in time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but I, I did not actually understand this question. Can you explain to me what you're really trying to uh, ask here? What you're really trying to understand? Yeah. So can you discuss the role of ritual and tradition in Hinduism? Meaning, um, uh, yeah. Okay. So you kind of la- mentioned la- rituals before, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Um, tradition, I guess, just being like, kind of like keep doing the same stuff that your, you know, like your parents did and their parents did and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. So, see, like like we discussed, all rituals are symbolic. And any part of the world, it's not just in Hinduism, in any religion, every single ritual is symbolic. Like how I we talked about breaking a coconut is symbol. It's symbolic to dropping your ego, right? Similarly, uh, there is also a concept of dana in in Hinduism. Like you donate. It simply means donate. It could be donating food. It could be donating money, whatever it is. Now, that ritual is also pretty symbolic only. And even you have the concept of donating, right? Uh, in your religion, do you? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't think that like we have something. Well, I mean, there's tithing to the church, but I don't yeah. think they have anything with it as far as donating that you have to do or. But yeah, you know, it's you definitely should be doing it. So in 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 Hinduism, for example, if we do certain puja, I mean, cert, if we are praying, and uh, whatever that we offer to the god, one portion of it has to go to the uh, to the needy, to a poor. Now this ritual is there, but it practically simply means that you share what you have, you sh- you share the good things with others. Right, it could be in a in a in a manner of food or knowledge or whatever. Every single donation is still a donation, 
right there is nothing wrong so even i personally believe that all the rituals that we follow are all symbolic they are just trying to give you a certain message over a period of time what has happened michael is that we have kept the rituals uh, to ourselves and kept the message in in a cupboard right we have locked it away and we have we have we are blind to the message behind a ritual and we are simply doing the ritual thinking that the ritual will free us but it is actually the message that it was supposed to free us so we took the ritual we kept the message away and we simply kept the ritual with us so uh, but rituals are merely symbolic you know yeah for sure yeah i agree and to a certain extent i kind of think that they're kind of like somewhat i don't know like in i think in the catholic um in Catholicism, there's more of like rituals and traditions and Christianity. And to a certain extent, I feel like it's like somewhat pointless. I, you know, I don't want to say entirely pointless, but somewhat pointless to follow the rituals and traditions. But so how has Hinduism been influenced by other religions and cultures throughout history? Do you, do you know that? Uh, one? No, no, really. No. I, it, it, will be will not be appropriate of me to even comment on that because you know i i am not aware about uh, every religion in depth to a point that i can comment on this question this is a uh, this is a very complex question to answer yeah no problem and can you talk about the role of scripture in hinduism including the vedas and the bhagavada Bhag, bhagavad gita bhagavad gita okay. yeah yeah so uh See, again, all the scriptures that we have uh, uh, are our guiding light. For example, let me just tell you something about Bhagavad Gita. So there is Sri Krishna who, uh, uh, Sri Krishna and Arjuna basically were fighting in a war. So there were Kauravas, I mean, the bad people and the good people. The good people were Pandavas. Pandavas were only five. The Kauravas were about 100, right? And in in principle, there were brothers. They, they, they all were brothers to each other, right? Uh, but born from different mothers, but same father. So in a way that they were brothers to each other. So 100 people were enemies. Five people were the good guys who were trying to fight a certain war, Mahabharata, right? Shri Krishna was in Pandava's team. So he was the sixth one who was, you know, guiding them. And Shri Krishna and Arjun were together in one chariot. And Shri Krishna was riding the chariot. Arjuna was kind of, you know, shooting arrows uh, towards the enemies. So uh, Arjun's guru was on the other side. He was uh, uh, on the enemy's side. And uh, Arjuna said, to she asked Shri Krishna, I will not be able to fight this war. So I'm not going to, I cannot shoot an arrow because he is my teacher. He is my guru. So how am I supposed to fight my own brother? How am I supposed to fight my own guru? To what Sri Krishna said is that at this point in time, uh, although he is your brother, although he is your teacher, uh, uh, you know, and but at this point of time, we are just trying to win a war, right? We are trying to uh, do the right thing here. So your uh so in hinduism there is a there is a concept of karma 
right? A good karma and a bad karma. And I'm sure you are pretty much aware about it, Michael, right? Your karma, your good or bad, the the realization of your karma is actually in the intent and not in the action. If your intention is good behind an action, then you are doing the good karma. If your intention is bad, then you are still doing the bad karma. For example, if it is a war and you are simply fighting a war, you are trying to, uh, if there is a soldier who is standing at the border and he's, uh, if, if there is a war happening between the two countries and this soldier shoots the other one, he is still trying to defend his country. And that's the sole purpose of him killing the other human being, right? So the he's still doing the good karma because he's simply doing his own kartavya. Kartavya is your job, your duty, right? But if you're killing somebody for an entertainment, you're simply walking down the road and you're killing somebody, it is a bad karma. Now, in both the scenarios, a human being only has died, right? But one died because somebody was trying to defend themselves. The other one has died because of somebody else's entertainment. Similarly, there is, I have my own specific views on vegetarian, on people being vegetarian and non-vegetarian also. For example, vegetarian and a non-vegetarian, I personally believe should always be influenced by the choice that you have. For example, I live in Mumbai. I have plenty of vegetation available to me. You know, I can eat all the vegetables and I can still survive. So I would refrain myself from killing an animal. Right? Because if I'm trying to eat an animal, it should, it should rather be when it comes to my own survival. For example, I'm in, let's say on Northern pole and I don't have any vegetables there because vegetables cannot grow there. There are only animals and I have to survive somehow. Right. And if I then kill an animal, it is still okay because I'm trying to survive. But if I'm killing an animal, when, when I can, I could have pretty much survived with whatever I have available. I'm killing an animal for my entertainment for for, you know, for just entertaining my taste buds in a way. So uh, we, we have to ask ourselves and not others, whether it is still a good karma or a bad karma, whatever that we just did. Right. Uh, if you personally believe that you had to kill an animal, for example, you have certain deficiency, uh, despite of being in, you know, Mumbai, let's say, and I have certain deficiency, which can only be filled by eating an animal, then it is still onto my survival and I can comprehend with that fact. But if I'm just killing it because chicken smell, you know, smells so good and fried chicken uh, tastes so good, then I, I may be essentially doing the wrong thing here. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you, what do you eat then? Like, so are you a vegetarian or do you? Yes, I am a vegetarian. Okay. So you, so you I, only eat meat if you have to, which is probably never, right? So you know what, Michael, uh, for about 15 years, I ate non-veg and I've eaten everything. I mean, I've eaten from chicken to fish to mutton to, I mean, uh, lamb to uh, 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 rabbit and octopus and, you know, whatnot. But it's been quite some time now that, you know, I have realized that I don't have to kill for an entertainment, right? And I don't remember the last time I ate non-veg now. So, uh, you know, uh, the day I realized that I should not have killed for an entertainment uh, and this self-realization when that happened, 
I stopped eating. Uh, and similarly, it goes for alcohol too. I mean, uh, you know, I, I logically question, I used to drink too, not so much, maybe once or twice in a year, but then I still used to question as to why am I doing what am I doing? I mean, you know, if I'm drinking, let's say whiskey, one pack of whiskey, what is it doing to my body? Is it giving any sort of nourishment? Is it refreshing me? Is it giving me, uh, you know, a better health in any way? It is not. Rather, it is, you know, ruining my motor skills. You know, it is affecting me and it is making me drowsy. If it is, if there is no point in drinking it, then why should I drink it? And I quit that too. Yeah, but yeah, to answer to your question is that I'm a vegetarian. Okay. And um, do you feel like you, you're better off being a vegetarian? Like, do you feel happier now that you're a vegetarian? Like, how do you, how do you feel physically? Uh, oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, ha- so happiness, again, is a state of mind. You know, honestly, uh, uh, it may change uh, anytime. So, it, uh, happiness is a state of mind. But physically, if you ask me, I feel very light. I feel very active. I feel very positive because, you know, in a way that I, I, I feel that my decision has come from a good intent. And whenever you think that you are doing good in the world, you always feel good about yourself, too. Yeah. So the last question will be, how is Hinduism practiced and expressed in contemporary society? Uh, again, it's, it's a very complex question to answer because uh, whatever tradition, I mean, traditionally, whatever that we have been doing, all the rituals in Hinduism, we, we continue to do that in today's time also. Practically, nothing has changed, Right. What we were doing uh, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, it's the same thing that we're doing today also. And if I pass it on to my uh, daughter, she will also continue to do the same, right? But uh, I think me being a millennial and uh, honestly, I, I think millennials have a great opportunity to, to leave our children, to leave our future generations with better message. Instead of making them do the traditional rituals that we've that have that we've been doing since ages, rather elevate themselves to you know to a higher knowledge, to 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 better wisdom. I'll, uh, make them think more, think what is right and wrong, and let them take a conscious call of uh, uh, you know conscious decisions towards their life. You know, I wouldn't, I would never force my daughter to you know, to, to, to pray, I would never force her to pray. You know, I would pray in front of her. If she wants to join me, I'm okay with it. If she doesn't want to join me, I am okay with that as well. You know, I, I, I don't want to impose my thoughts, uh, you know, my, my conditioning onto her, because I think it is my moral responsibility to, to free her right from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, yeah. So lastly, and then we can wrap it up is like, I just, I don't really know. I'm just kind of, I wanted to ask you about how, you know, life in general in in living in India is like, would you say that it's, that it's good, bad? Um, like what's your day to day in terms of like, I asked you before, if you knew like Bill Maher and, and uh, Bill Burr, just in general, like cele- with celebrities, movies, all that kind of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. If you could just go like to, you know, the day to day and, um, in India, in Mumbai. So yeah, life is, so I have stayed in many parts of the country. I've stayed in Delhi. I've stayed in uh, Mumbai. I've stayed in Gujarat. I have stayed in Hyderabad. Uh, practically Andhra Pradesh is the state. I have, for, I, and I've traveled a lot extensively uh, around the country. You know, uh, I will tell you that life is really very beautiful. People are so warm, so nice to each other. Right. Uh, you know, that you, that you really never feel out of place. And it is so diverse in, in terms of its culture, in terms of its food. Uh, you know, you can never really get bored. There is always some, some of the other action happening and you get to witness a lot of interesting things. Uh, so, so the life in India is generally very good in terms of practically, if I have to talk to you about opportunities, uh, the, it's, it's a country with highest population on the planet, right? Uh, uh, and it is also one of the fastest growing economies. So there are also so many new businesses coming up. So there are always more and more employment opportunities. Uh, the government is doing such a great job in terms of, uh, developing the infrastructure, developing the country in terms of, you know, uh, resolving unemployment issues and whatnot. So, so I principally think that, you know, uh, I am in a very good country. If I have, if you have to ask me about Mumbai, right? Mumbai is a country. It, it, I can say that it's an equivalent to New York. Yeah, it's a country. It's a city that never sleeps. It is always awake. There is always action. The flip side of that is that there is always traffic. You, if you have to reach from point A to point B, it is going to always minimum take about 45 minutes to one hour. And I think uh, that that's a lot. Uh, uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but since I'm born and brought up here, I have all the relatives here. I have so many friends here. You know, I'm still very comfortable with with uh, where am I. But life in general in India, it's uh, it's very exciting. Uh, and I think you should at least visit, uh, if not more, but at least for a week and try and see uh, 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 India through your own lens. And you'll know. Yeah, have have you been outside of the country? Have you been? I've been else? to Singapore. I've been to Singapore. Yeah. How is that? Uh, how that's the only com- other country. How would you compare India to Singapore, which is China, right? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, uh, Singapore again is a country that was made up of all the migrants, right? Uh, you would also find a lot of Indians in Singapore. Uh, so Indians anyway, I mean, uh, it's needless to say that we have such a huge population that we have, we have created, we have produced and left people in every part of the planet. So, uh, you can, I, one can never feel out of place, but Singapore as a country, uh, I, I found the people there to be quite warm, very, very educated, very well behaved, uh, and very helpful in nature. I mean, there were so many times that I simply, I, I was lost. I, I was not able, there was one incident. I was not able to find my own hotel and me and my wife, we were walking for about half an hour. I don't know where we were and we were simply walking. Uh, and it was about, I think 11 o'clock in the night. And we simply happened to ask one of the, one of the couples, uh, I think college going couples there. 
and i simply asked uh, i mean i need an address they were so helpful they helped us book a cab they spoke to the driver uh, in their local language they explained to me where we needed to go the guy took us there and we felt so safe so yeah I, my experience with singapore was really nice Okay, and in terms of like the you know I I said something about the poverty before, but then also the extreme rich. I've heard that like we've we outsource a lot of our jobs here in America to not only China but also India, right? Mm-hmm. So is there like a group? I know like we have, yeah. Like so, is there? How do you feel about like the poverty going on? I don't even know if there's you know a lot of poverty, but like I know. That like I I just know that we outsource a lot of our jobs there. Like, how do you feel about that kind of thing? Like, do you feel like we're kind of like taking advantage of other countries by like, you know, you you think that USA is trying to take an advantage of India? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. It's not. No, no, no. no that's not what I'm saying. But like, I know that like a lot of times, like when I'll call customer service from Amazon or you know wherever else. I'll get someone from India answering the phone. And it's like, I've heard, I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that like we outsource a lot of our, especially China, I think like Apple is, you know, the iPhones made in China. What do you think about that kind of stuff? Like, do you think that we're just kind of, I mean, to me, it just seems kind of like somewhat cruel for us to like outsource our jobs to China or India and pay them, pay them less money. I mean, do you, like, I guess the question overall would be, do you feel like India is fair when it comes to how they treat their, not only India itself, but how we treat you guys, but then also how you guys treat your employees and stuff like that. Because I, I mean, I could be mixing you guys up with China or other countries. It might not be you guys, but like, because I know in China, there's a lot of like, you know, slave labor and child labor and stuff like that. So is there any of that going on in India or? So, so let me, let me uh, split this question because we cannot mix India with China because India is a democracy and China is a communist country, right? So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it is not I know going to be an apple to apple comparison. Yeah. Right. Uh, but in, in India, uh, if, if you say that, let's say, in USA, if the same person had to do the same job, and if he were to be in USA, he would amount, he would earn X uh, dollars. And if the same job is outsourced to India, probably that Indian doing the same job here would earn X divided by two. Is that what you're saying? And you, you're trying to understand whether it's fair or not? Yeah, I just, I'm wondering how, how you look at it is if, if the, the employees there are making less than the employees here. It doesn't seem spared to me you know what i mean hmm uh one has to make peace with it michael i mean if you are making peace with the fact that you know you want to be here and you you're satisfied with whatever that you're earning if you've made your mind uh, if you're made peace with this fact then i don't think uh, we would ever have the angle of cruelty uh, creeping in but at the same time, if you think that you're worth a lot more and if you're ready to take the risk of going outside, exploring better opportunities, making a better living for yourself, it is personal choice, really. I personally think that if you're going to stay in a job and if you're going to crib about it, you're not helping the employer, neither yourself, right? If you're staying here and if you're doing the same job that you do not like, 
you always have a choice to quit and move on and make a better living for yourself if if you want to crib don't stay if you are staying don't crib so everybody has this personal choice so as an individual i would all uh, i i used to crib about my employer that this is not right and this process is wrong and this is you know i'm getting affected so much and to after a certain point i realized that complaining about anything is really not helping so i changed my employer i changed the job but see if if you are if i'm going to say that oh this is so cruel and you know i am uh, i deserve so much better but if your employer is hellbent on giving you uh, just that amount of money you always have the choice to change your employer right but then you need to know whether you are good enough for the market if you know that you deserve better you need to have that degree of skill set as well uh, that you can go out there and you can kill it and change everybody else wrong sitting here cribbing about you know uh, that you are under appreciated underpaid is actually not helping anybody so it is i think it is about uh, how an individual looks at it yeah so you don't okay so i mean you don't think there's any kind of cruelty going on in india you think that everybody has a fair shake but i mean the only thing that i can say to you is like i, I feel like some people are in a situation where like they might not be able to get out of the situation that they're in but you can say oh well like if they don't like it get out and in some cases that in some countries that literally might mean like leave the country which is just yeah impossible but i mean yeah. like for you 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 might be in a situation where like you were able to get out you're a salesman and maybe you're a good salesman and you knew that you could like go find a better, better job, but for people who can't find better jobs and they're just stuck. And, I, and I, once again, I don't really know the state of India. That's why I'm asking you, but like, I've just noticed that like when I call customer service a lot, I get some Indian person on the line, which is fine. I don't care that they're Indian, but I do have somewhat of a problem with Amazon or Apple outsourcing their, essentially their jobs outsourcing them to different countries that are just paying them less and and once again in china it's like ridiculous wage you know wages slave labor Way too, yeah and then there's the whole issue too of like the congo and in, in um in africa where the iphones need cobalt and they're having people down there you know who really yeah. have no mining it mining it yeah so i mean there's a lot of like horrible stuff going on like you said i to a certain extent, I think that you you do have to be like aware, um, happy with the situation that you're in, and if you're not happy, then you know get out. And but at the same time, I just want to make sure that there's no, um, I don't know. I guess just wondering how fair it is overall in in India. And it sounds like what uh. you're saying, everybody has a fair shake. And if everybody has a fair shake, and there's no there's no cruelty going on, and that's fine. I may be thinking of like different countries like China or something, you know, but um, I just don't like to see, you know, I don't know. I don't so, like to see Michael, poverty. Uh, let, let me, let like me to, put I don't that like to you. see poverty when, when some, I don't like to see people like who are starving when there's people like Elon Musk who are billionaires. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just not fair to me. It's horrible yeah. in my opinion. I, I, I see what you're saying and, and I, I kind of agree with you. But we have to understand uh, the fact that the world was always this way. It was never fair. There is always good or bad. There is a concept of yin and yang in, in, in Chinese as well. 
and even in hinduism in in india we believe that there is always good and bad will always coexist the proportion of good or bad may always vary right but if there is good there has to be some bad and that's the hard truth uh, so yeah uh, if everybody is wealthy imagine if everybody is wealthy everybody is making great money uh we would not have people doing certain jobs for for certain amount of uh, you know with with certain amount of skills uh, you would always have disparity there too if there is good in the world there is always going to be bad in the world too and so we just have to accept that fact so while i do not encourage uh, sweatshops in multiple countries while i do not encourage uh, bonded labor uh or child labor uh, uh in that manner i obviously think that it is up to an individual i mean as an individual if i am i'm if i'm actually employing somebody who's under age who's supposed to actually go to the school and you know learn and educate themselves and what not that's on me that's not on my country that's not on my government but that's rather on me because i know for the fact that you know i was doing uh, uh something wrong to someone right uh, but uh, yeah uh, but as a human being i always make a point that uh, uh, you know wherever i see a problem uh, wherever i know that a certain specific uh, individual is is looting uh, looting the poor or you know not really spreading good in the world i stop attending that business in first place i rather would go some place else and not try and encourage wrong practices outside but yeah so but that's all that you can do uh, you know we as individuals while we have a power to choose what is right and wrong we can end up choosing the right but then there are also large proportion of people who are choosing the wrong so what can you do i mean there is only so much that you can do that's true yeah and then and then um finally like what kinds of like movies tv shows stuff like that are you guys into i know like don't you guys have like your own i forgot what it's called like bollywood right bollywood yeah so do you guys have like your own thing going on there in terms of movies and tv shows or do you guys watch mostly <laughs> american or no so uh i i watch all sorts of things i mean i watch american i watch a bit of korean my wife watches hardcore korean shows you know she barely watches american too or indian for that matter but i i like what was bollywood what word you use you said what was the second word you said american korean yeah oh korean okay okay korean, korean yeah okay they have their so, own shows yeah okay. so so she watches a lot of k dramas and you know what not and you know i i like to watch uh, you know divers i mean i i have watched movies that were made in thailand uh, and i i have watched movies that were in spanish and in different languages so i i basically i enjoy uh, uh, i enjoy movies a lot and my sort of content is that you have to uh, you know i i like horror uh, murder mysteries and spy uh, movies you know so i i i always try and find content within this and sometimes when i'm feeling you know little light i i always watch a lot of comedy too uh, but yeah i mean we watch stand up comedies we watch uh, uh, kevin hart is my favorite 
in in that sense uh, yeah so we watch a lot of content that's that's made globally and netflix is available here right there is prime video also so there is all sorts of content that's available to us personally me i follow a uh, lot of football as well english football premier league right so yeah we have an access to uh, all sorts of things from from the uh, from different countries so yeah we we tend to have a good time yeah so overall you say things you would say things are good there in india yeah for me i mean yeah uh, generally yeah, they're yeah. really good yeah generally i think they're really good do you get yeah. to watch a lot of indian stuff out there do you watch con- indian content no no um the only thing i can think of that i've watched that's not even it's not even indian content but it's it's um i think it was kind of like based on a bollywood movie was like um like what uh slumdog millionaire i think oh was, yeah, yeah 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 the oscar oscar winning one yeah and that yeah. was based on a bollywood movie or something right wasn't it yeah 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 yes yes you're right you're right yeah and that guy's from there too right dev patel i think is from india dev patel, he? yeah he's from india but i think he's settled there no in in, in u.s i'm not I, sure yeah, I, I would yeah i would assume show i would assume so yeah i think yeah. so i don't know but yeah so um anyways yeah it was it's getting late here so it was good talking to you swa um Swanan, I learned yes. a lot about Hinduism, and you know, to be honest with you, I, I I knew very little. I know very little about Hinduism, and or I knew very little, and I know very little about India. So it was good to learn from you. You know what I mean? Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for having me over. Uh, it was it was such a nice interaction, and I felt so nice talking to you. You were a you were an amazing host. So thank you so much for having me over, and uh, hope to work with you again. Thank you. Sounds good. And then I forgot to ask the last question I always ask is if there's anything that you want to plug in terms of if you have a podcast or anything else you got going on. And then also like some movies, TV shows, music, podcasts you listen to that you'd like to share with everyone else. So there is this one podcast that I uh, I regularly listen to. It's by Jill Geisler. Uh, 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 so she is uh, she's a professor and she normally gives leadership uh, coaching right uh, so i've i've started listening to her since 2013 or 14 rather and i still listen to her uh, so that's one podcast i think one should always listen to if if they if they want to really understand what leadership looks like and she talks about leadership from a point of view of self development and development of empathy and that really really kind of uh, 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 you know grabbed my attention because empathy is so important when it comes to leadership uh, that it's but unfortunately it is also very underappreciated it's uh, often overlooked but uh, good leaders are always very empathetic towards others so if if one wants to listen to uh, good podcast on leadership skills i think one should always search about jill geisler okay so jill Gle- jill geisler is the name of the yeah. podcast yeah okay. are there anything else that you want to promote or um 
get out there or is is that it uh, no of- i'm 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 no. good i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to start my own podcast channel as well maybe in a month or two uh, uh you know i'm just trying to uh, do my own research uh, uh i've finalized couple of two three different ideas so maybe soon enough uh, i'll have my own podcast too and i hope it becomes as successful as yours michael for sure yeah Thanks for uh, coming on, Swal, and let me know if you ever want to come back on again. Or also let me know, too, you know, if and when your podcast comes out. I'll check it out. Definitely, Michael. Definitely. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me over. No problem. Thanks. Good talking to you. Nice talking to you, too.